Open your uh, Bibles to Exodus 3, 1 to 4, or um, read with me from the notes. This week, we're going to uh, pause talking about shadows of Golgotha, just because it's Christmas. Let's talk about the incarnation of Christ. And then next week, Lord's willing, we'll go back to discuss the shadows of Golgotha from the Old Testament. But read with me, Exodus 3, 1 to 4. So what's happening here is Moses, you guys know who that is. Um, Israel as a nation was in the land of Egypt, slaves for 400 plus years, and then God chose Moses to be the one who's going to take them out of the land of Egypt. But Moses first acted on his own. He ended up making a mess, and he fled the land of Egypt. And then he ended up being a shepherd, and he gave up on the whole idea of saving the nation of Israel. And then God comes back to him, and now God is calling him to go or start going to Pharaoh to ask him to let the people of Israel go out of the land of Egypt. So this is the encounter of Moses when God told him to start going to Pharaoh and demand that the people of Israel will leave. So that's Exodus 3, 1 to 4. Now Moses was tending the flock of uh, Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to uh, the far side of the wilderness and come to Horeb the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Think about that. He appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, a small tree that has fire in it. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Think about that. Let's read that together. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see, what did he say? This strange sight. And this is the phrase that we want to stop at today. This strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? And he goes closer, and then the Lord himself starts speaking to him. And, he, and the, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses answered and said, Here I am. So think about that. God Almighty. First of all, this is God himself, right? But to be more precise, this is the Lord Jesus. This is not God the Father. This is the Lord Jesus. We know from John, John said, no one has ever seen the Father, right? And Jesus also said, I think John 6, no one has ever seen the Father except the Son, right? So throughout the whole Bible, no one has ever seen the Father, right? Yet we know here from Exodus chapter 3 that Moses saw God. So how did Moses saw God if nobody has saw the Father? Because the person that Moses said was the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is equal to God in his nature. Amen? So Mo God wanted to talk to Moses. And God wanted to com command Moses to go to Israel, to go to Egypt, to get the people of Israel out. God could have done it so many ways. He could have just, you know, sent an angel like one of his servants and say, go get this message to Moses. And the angel will come and say, hey, I'm a messenger. I have this message to you from God. That would have been good enough, right? God could have just shouted out loud from heaven and say, hey, yo, Moses, go get my people out. That would have been good enough, right? 
But God didn't do any of that. In order for God to communicate with Moses, he came all the way down to where Moses is. And he, in a way, incarnated in a bush. He, he came and he well, lived in a bush, you would say, for a little bit. So he can talk to Moses. Amen? Sounds familiar to Christmas? You know? So people have, well, this is funny. This story is actually in the Quran. Uh, for Muslims, this story is in the Quran. And it's amazing. Muslims have no problem believing that God Almighty can come down in a bush. That's no problem. But to come down in a human form, that's impossible. You know, it's just a bunch of nonsense. Anyways, so God comes down to Moses in a bush. And when God comes down and he dwells in that bush, there is like nature in a way didn't know what to do, right? All the laws of nature kind of went out of the window. Because the bush was on fire, but the bush was not burning there was two oxymorons pictures but they both coexisted in the same time which is in the in the realm of nature is absolutely impossible to have a bush on fire that does not burn you guys follow me but when God came down all the those of nature went out of the window and stuff that can impossible coexist together actually did exist together which is fire in a bush but the bush is not burning amen and that was for Moses a strange, what? Sight. Something so unfamiliar, something so strange that these two oxymoron facts can coexist in the same time. The strange sight. Amen? And I tell you, this strange sight of two things that contradict each other, coexist together, that happened in the bush because God came down. That was also the story of Jesus. Throughout his life, people will look at him and they probably think the exact same thing that Moses thought. What is that strange sight when they look at Jesus? You know why? Because just like in the bush, God came down and he dwelled in that bush. So in Jesus, God came down and he dwelled in a bodily form. Amen? And again, when Jesus was fully God, fully man, in the same time, the laws of nature kind of like didn't know what to do. And all kind of oxymoron facts coexisted together. That was such a strange sight to those who are around Jesus. Amen? And to us and anybody who reads the Bible, you look at the facts and the stuff that the Bible says about Jesus and you see how is that possible that these two contradicting facts that coexist together. But this is the strange sight because God has come down. You guys ready? Let me show you some examples to that strange sight in the life of Jesus. Number one, Jesus was born. We read about that in Luke 2, 7, talking about Mary. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Born like a normal babe, like, like Sila, my daughter, that was just born. Just born. Jesus was born like you and me, purely human, nothing crazy about it, nothing supernatural about it. Amen? Amen? My Katrina was just holding Sila a couple of nights ago, and she was just super tiny. And Katrina said, look how helpless she is. And she was very, very helpless. And she said, this is how Jesus was at some point. Just so true. I mean, when you see poor Sila coughing and struggling for a breath, and she's just so helpless, breaks your heart. But think about it. This is how Jesus was at some point. 
He was just a normal babe that was just born like you and me. Amen? So that's one side of the story. But look at the other side of the story. John 8, 58. This very Jesus that was born in flesh like you and me and was a helpless babe stands in front of a crowd and he tells them, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was what? I am. And I told you guys before about that verse that there is no translation in English that is doing this verse any justice at all. Because when you look at it, it says, before Abraham was, that's verb to be, right? I am, am is also verb to be. But the Greek is different. The Greek has two different verbs. It doesn't have the exact same verb for Abraham and for Jesus. For Abraham, the verb is actually genomai, which means to come to existence. But for Jesus, is the verb to be, am, I am. Remember the bush that we were just talking about in Exodus 3? And Moses said, what's your name? So I can go tell the people. What did God answer Moses in the bush? He said, I am who I am. This is my name, right? Yet Jesus here had no problem to claim that. He said, I am. Before, Literally, the verse in Greek says this. Before Abraham came to existence, I am. I am self-existing from eternity to all eternity. I am. I am the same I am who appeared to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 to commission him to go to the children of Israel. So which one is it? Is he from eternity to eternity or did he start the moment he was born? Well, it's both. How come? Because God has come down. And when God comes down, two oxymoron facts can coexist together beyond our comprehension. But when God comes down, the laws of nature goes out of the window. Amen? Amen. That's number, example number one. Example number two. Jesus grew up. That's in, in Luke 2.40. And the child, that's Jesus, did what? Grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom and grace, and the grace of God was on him. Jesus grew up just like a regular kid. He probably learned how to you know, speak. He learned words, one word at a time. He just grew up like Micah, like Kezia, like Sila. He just growing up. And every day, he gets more aware of his surroundings, just like a normal person, right? So you will look at him, and you don't see anything supernatural or crazy about a child that is growing up. Amen? Yet that very Jesus who grew up every day, who was gaining knowledge and awareness of his surrounding every day, that same exact Jesus. Paul spoke about him in Colossians 2, 9 and 10, and he said this, For in him, <coughs> in this man Jesus, what happened? All the fullness of the Godhead <coughs> dwelt in a bodily form, in a fleshly form. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality. So which one is it? Did Jesus grew in knowledge and awareness day after day? Or in him the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in a bodily form? Well, it's both. But it can be. Yes, it can be. But we're talking about God invading earth here. We're talking about God becoming human like you and me. Amen? We're talking about God coming down in the bush and the bush is on fire but it doesn't burn and oxy, two oxymoron facts go exist together because God came down. Amen? Example number three. He hungered. Jesus got hungry like you and me. Matthew 4, 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, what happened to him? Just like you and me. He just got hungry. 
But look at the flip side of that. The exact same Jesus who was hungry stood in front of a crowd one day and he said this in John 6.35. And Jesus said to them, I am what? The bread of life. He who comes to God, right? To me or to God? To me. He comes to me. Shall never hunger. And he who believes in God. Well, do you see that? He's putting himself even to be the subject of our faith. You believe in me. What a crazy claim that is. Right? Whoever came before and walked our earth and you said, you need to believe in, not believe me. You need to believe in me. Right? It's not like you need to trust me, but you need to have me as the subject of your faith. Amen? Well, which one is it? Did he hunger or is he the one who can satisfy every hunger? Well, it's both. Because when God comes down, all the laws of nature goes out of the window. Amen? Number four, he thirsts. We read that in John 19, 28. Now he's on the cross. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, what? I thirst. He was thirsty. But look at him talking to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. That's the same Jesus who was thirsty one time. On the, I mean, there's not, this is just examples, not all the incidents, just one example. That same Jesus took it to the Samaritan woman in John 4, 13 to 14. And he answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, physical water, or what the world can offer, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of what? Of the water that I shall give him, that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become to him the fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Do you see that? He's saying, it's not that I am going to give you the living water. I'm going to turn you into a spring that gives forth spring, living water that springs forth to an everlasting life. Amen? So which one is it? Is he the one who supplies the living water for our human falling grace? Or is he the one who gets thirsty in the cross? Well, it's both. Just like the bush, it has fire, but it does not burn. Because it's a strange sight. God has come down. Amen? Number five. He grew tired. He got tired like you and me. John 4, 6. Now he went to, is going to talk to the Samaritan woman. And he says... Now, now, Jacob's will was there. Jesus, therefore, being what? Jesus being what? Weary. Weary. Tired. He got tired from the journey. He walked so much that his man's like, man, I can't do this no more. I need a break. I'm tired from walking. Well, this is Jesus, just like you and me. He grew tired. But look at the flip side of that. Look at these crazy claims he makes in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and what? And I will give you rest. Well, which one is it? Does he get tired or does he give rest to those who are tired? Actually, it's both. And they coexist together in the person of Jesus because that's God in flesh. And when God comes down, this strange sight we see. Two oxymoron facts coexist together. Amen? He slept just like you and me. He goes to bed. He slept. Mark 4, 38. 
but when but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Now he and the disciples are in a, in a, in a boat and there's a storm. And what does Jesus do? He's asleep in the boat. And they woke him up, the disciples. And they like they said to him, Teacher, don't you even care? We are perishing. <coughs> there's, a, there's a storm and we you sleep. He's a human like you and me. He fell asleep. Amen? But look at that. When he wakes up, what does he do? He commands the raging sea, and the raging sea had to be obedient to him. Amen? You know why? Because Jesus is the one who created that sea. The sea has no option except to obey its creator. Amen? That's Mark 4, 30, 39. Then he rose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, What? Peace? <coughs> Peace still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Which one is it? Is he the one who sleeps or he's the one who rebukes the sea? Well, it's both. It's a strange sight because God has come down. Amen? A couple more examples. He prayed. Prayed. Just like you and me. Prayed. Actually, in Matthew 26, 39, he prayed so hard and he was so desperate for God to intervene. He went a little further. That's Matthew 26, 39. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my God, if it's all possible that this cup will pass from me, nevertheless, not what I will but yours be done. He was so desperate for God to intervene, just like you and me. Amen? But as God in flesh... He claimed himself to be the one who answered prayers. Look at that. John 14, 13 to 14. And whoever you ask in my name, God will do, right? I or God? I. He's the one who answers prayers. Like if you ask in my name, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, God Almighty will surely intervene if you use me as an intercessor. Did he say that? I will do it. He claimed himself to be the one who answers prayer. Well, which one is it? Are you the one who needs prayer or are you the one who answers prayer? Well, it's both. And they exist in the same time. You know what? You know why? Because it's God in flesh. And when God comes down, all oxymoron and facts coexist together. Amen? Two more examples. He suffered. Peter tells us that in 1 Peter 4, 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh. He did what? Suffered. He went through pain, just like you and me. He suffered. Suffered from people, suffered physically, suffered emotionally, suffered from verbal abuse. Every possible suffering you can imagine Jesus had when he was like you and me in flesh. But on the flip side of that, look at what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 2.18. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to do what? To aid those who are being tempted. So what the author of Hebrews is saying is this. Jesus is the one who can help those who are suffering. Well, which one is it? Did you suffer or you're the one who can help those who suffer? It's both in the same time. Amen? I think of my, again, Sila just in my mind a lot because of her sickness. She's coughing and she's just helpless and your heart go out for her. But guess what? Unlike Jesus, I am unable 
to help those who are suffering, right? I mean, I love her so dearly, but guess what? I don't have anything in me that I can give her to help her so she can get over that cough, right? Aren't you glad Jesus isn't like that? He not just loves us, he's also able to aid us, amen? And these two things coexist together in Christ. He suffered, but on the flip side of that, he's the one who can give aid to those who are tempted. Finally here, he died, just like you and me one day, we're all going to die, amen? This is what Luke said, um, 23, 46. And when Jesus has cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Having said this, he did what? He breathed his last. He just died like you and me, fully human, just like you and me. But the flip side of that, he is the one who gives eternal life to all those who are dead in their sins. Amen? Look at his, again, do you see the crazy words that came out of the mouth of Jesus? Oh my gosh, some crazy claims. John 10, 27 to 28, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Well, let's pause for a second. That's in itself just a crazy thing by itself. Why? Because the only one who claimed to be a shepherd in the Old Testament, well, God appointed David to be a shepherd, but God always say, I am the shepherd. In Ezekiel, he talks about that. He's a shepherd. Yet Jesus said, you are not just God's sheep that I am taking care of you for him. I'm not a shepherd appointed by God. I am the shepherd who was in the Old Testament and claimed that the nation of Israel are my sheep. That's in itself such a claim of deity. But not only that, he said, and I know them and they follow me and God will give them eternal life, right? I or God? I or the Father? I. Because he's the eternal life giver. Wait a minute. Who is that person who can give you and me eternal life? Pop quiz. Who can give you and me eternal life? Or God. That's, that's a, a, a job that only God can do, right? There is no created being. There is no being apart from God himself who can grant you and me eternal life, right? Yeah, Jesus had no problem claiming that to himself. He said, I give you eternal life. I am the one who's going to give it to you. And he said, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, nor that anyone can snatch them out of my hand. So which one is it? Are you the eternal love giver, or are you the one who died on the cross? Well, it's both in the same time. Amen? Two oxymoron facts coexist together when Jesus was just like you and me walking on our earth simply because he wasn't just a normal human being. He wasn't a prophet from God. He wasn't a messenger from God. He wasn't the first created being as Jehovah Witness claims. He was God in flesh. Amen. And because he was God in flesh, just like the same way God came down in the bush to talk to Moses. And two oxymoron facts coexisted in the same time. Fire, but nothing is burning. So that the story was throughout the life of Jesus. I imagine that people who, who've seen him, who lived around him, even us reading his life story as it's documenting in the scripture, the same words that Moses thought to himself when he saw that burning bush and he said, what is that strange sight? These words should come to your mind and my mind every time we read about Jesus. What a strange sight. Amen? Why? Because God has come down. Amen? Let's come to the Lord and worship him.